Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. I am so happy to have Rosemary Altea back on the show today. You can go back and listen to Rosemary's bio, and it is also in the show notes. I met Rosemary through a friend, and I have been so impressed, if that's the right word, just so impressed, inspired, amazed by her beautiful work. And just a reminder, she will be on the show on December 17th at 2 p.m., to answer questions from listeners the best that she can. So if you would like to send in a question, please go to my website, interviewswithinnocence.com, and go to Contact Marla and send me your question, and we will let you know if we'll be using that on the show. So without further ado, here we go. I, I, you talked about some 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 children and you included when you were a child are so sensitive and sometimes they're a little bit uh, not put down by that but oh you're too sensitive or this or that and you talk about the beauty of sensitivity and that no one um, is ever there's no such thing as being too sensitive so can you just talk about that a little bit I can I think that so many of your listeners will have had somebody say to them the the trouble with you yes. or the problem with you is <laughs> you're too sensitive. The problem with you is you're oversensitive. <laughs> you know that, you know, your trouble. <laughs> That's so helpful, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, think, I think we need, we need to understand and we need to remember that the people who are saying this to us, the trouble with you, the problem with you are people who are the most insensitive, right? So let's put that let's put that into perspective. Anybody who says to anybody, the trouble with you is you're too sensitive, or stop being oversensitive, or stop being a baby, or whatever. I was always <laughs> told that when I was a kid. Um, they are the insensitive ones. Do you want to be insensitive? Of course not. Do I? Certainly not. I think that the most beautiful people, the most empathetic the most generous, the kindest people are the most sensitive and sometimes ultra sensitive as I am. And, and I feel as you are yes. uh, being ultra sensitive is so painful. It's the gift you really want to return. You do not want to say to father Christmas or to God, whoever it is who gave it to you. <laughs> no, I don't want this. It hurts too much. Right. But at the same time, how are we going to learn how to be empathetic if we didn't experience the pain mm -hmm. how are we going to learn anything if we are too insensitive because being too insensitive means that we are blind to the beauty of this world of ours and i think that mm -hmm. being ultra sensitive i i find such joy in my 
ultra sensitivity. I'm mm -hmm. such a joyful person. I'm filled with, you know, joy and I'm filled with the light of God. And, and I feel it and I just want to share it with people. And yes, it hurts. Of course it does. So, so then, you know, so does a new pair of shoes. Right, right. Break them in. Get used to it, you know? <laughs> and, and what a gift to celebrate a child's sensitivity and not say it's, you know, a, a bad thing or whatever, just to well, celebrate that. I, I know that, you know, there are one or two people in, in my grandson's life who will say, what are you crying for? Don't be silly. And I'm there. Right. <laughs> like, Me too. Me too. Right there yes i had occasion this morning to say to somebody well if you talk to him properly and nicely he wouldn't be crying would he and he's crying because he's sensitive let's try a different way to talk to him can we right. um you know if if a child cries easily thank god for that child it means that they are sensitive mm -hmm. and that's what you want don't ever my my father years ago i was i was 15 or 16 years old I was playing the piano and I was pining over a boy or something like that. And my father came in uh, from uh, the garden and uh, he called me to the, to the door of the, of the room where the piano was. And that, I was always terrified of what my father was going to do or say. But anyway, he, so he called me to the door and he said, come here. He said, I've got something for you. And, um, He's hold hold out your hand, and I held out my hand, and he put there's a lot he put a large stone from the garden in my hand. It's a true story. He said, and he looked at me. He said, "I want you to make your heart like that stone." Oh my! Now gosh. he was trying to protect me. He was saying to me, "Harden your heart, girl, so you don't get hurt." That's what he was trying to do. He was trying to do that for me. It was a, he was trying to do a good thing for me. But even as he put that stone in my hand and told me, harden your heart, I knew innately that it was so very wrong. Right. And I knew that I'd never be able to manage it anyway. And th thank goodness I didn't. And so sad that he thought that that was the right thing to do. He, he, uh, he did not do it cruelly, I'm sure. He yes. thought, he was saying to me, it, when you, what, what he was really saying, was saying from his own experience, if you're too soft, so people are going to take advantage of you. If you don't harden yourself, you're going to get hurt. If you don't, don't toughen up, then, you know, then you're going to, you're going to feel too much. Right. And, so he thought that was a bad thing. What I'm saying is the opposite, I suppose. I'm saying, um, hey, you know, soften up. Yeah. Don't be afraid. We're doing a, a, a webinar on the, I think it's the 21st of November, and it's about walls and building walls. And we all have these walls around us, don't we? Uh, and we're afraid to come out. We're afraid to show our sensitivity. We're afraid to show who we are. And what I want to do is to break, help people break down those walls, come out from hiding. Because when you build walls, yes, you might be protecting yourself, but you've trapped yourself as well. You're so trapped within those walls and you don't know how to get out. You don't know how to express yourself. So sensitivity is the gift we don't, necessarily want but without it we're sunk yes yes and the same with vulnerability you know to when you're finally 
so vulnerable and your heart is just open yeah it can be sort of scary and but it just opens you to so much empathy and compassion and everything yes. you're talking about Ab absolutely. absolutely being vulnerable is the scariest thing yeah. but if you don't allow yourself to be vulnerable then you're going to miss out on so much there's a, a great saying that uh, it's a buddhist saying i do believe couldn't tell you where i read it but it's a great saying allow the winds of heaven to dance between you and your fate in other words let the power of god let the power of the universe let the winds of heaven let all of that beautiful energy let it carry you let it lift you and and uh, don't be afraid to go with it it, wow. it won't let you down it yeah. won't wow that's that's a that's a great saying um so rosemary can you tell us about your first ever child patient oh. i think um and one of them and another child had an NDE that you worked with, a near-death experience. But can you just tell us the story of one of those that's your favorite? My first child patient, his name yes. was Mark. His name was Mark, is Mark. I shouldn't talk about him if he's dead, should I? Because he's not really, is he? His name is Mark. And um, a few years ago, uh, I was. it was nighttime. I was in my home and it was about, tw you can say, 12 o'clock at night and the phone rang. And I picked it up and uh, there was a woman on the other end and she was sobbing so hard. I could not understand a word of what she was saying. And she began sobbing and screaming and she was hysterical. She was basically really hysterical. And I sat on the phone with her for ages trying to calm her down to say to her, you've got to calm down because I, I can't, I don't understand what it is you want from me, but take it steady. And she right. told me about her son. And he'd had cancer for two or three years. He was eight years old. He'd had cancer for two or three years. And she'd been to the hospital either that day or the day before. And she was completely desperate. And they'd sent her home saying, there's nothing else we can do for him. Uh, and um, so she was searching for the miracle. How she found my name of no idea, don't know, couldn't tell you. Uh, but the next day I went to see her. And, um, uh, um, and uh, by the way, I do want to say, as far as healing is concerned, uh, I have never charged for healing and will never charge for healing. I just feel that it's, that it's a gift given to me and it's one we should, you know, one we should share. Um, and so I went along and she lived in a fairly poor neighborhood. And uh, the first time I saw this little boy, it reminded me of when I was a child, um, my f father, I was about, well, I was exactly 11 years old and uh, uh, my hair had gotten tangled at the back and my father's answer to that was that he practically shaved my head. He gave me a boy's haircut, uh, you know, shaved up the back all the way to the crown and so on. I had to go to school uh, 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 like this. Anyway, so that's, a hot, that's a whole other story. But when I saw Mark, he's, he was eight years old, um, and um, he had the biggest eyes, very tiny. He, he, even though he was eight, he probably only looked about to be five, um, and uh, very pale skin, um, beautiful. He was beautiful. He had not one hair on his head. 
And I immediately, you know, we talked about the gift of pain when my father shaved my hair off and did that. Had that not happened, I would not have had the same immediate connection with Mark and the immediate empathy that I did have because I knew what it was like. Oh, absolutely. And so I talked, sat and talked to him, was very careful with him at first. He didn't know me. Uh, I gave him healing and then I would visit on a, a regular basis over the next uh, two or three months. Uh, and um, uh, he knew that he was dying. You know, we just talked earlier on about talk to people, yes. right? But nobody would talk to him about dying. And he consequently didn't talk to his mum about it because he would upset her. This poor woman, she was about eight months pregnant. Her, so the father of the baby uh, was in prison. So she had no one to support her. And her firstborn was dying and she could do nothing about it. And she had very little support from anybody. And I remember going one night and I knew that it wouldn't be long before Mark left us and uh, I remember he was laid on the sofa pillows behind him blankets tucked up to his chin and he he said to me Rosemary can you can you tell me a story because I've started telling him stories because I feel that through stories we can explain things so much more and we talked about t teaching our children through stories we can teach our children many things so I told him about but I told him a story about an angel who was in heaven and uh, and I told him about some stories of children who were in heaven and, uh, and he looked at me at one point and he said um, Rosemary and he whispered it his mother was in the kitchen making a cup of tea she always used to disappear when I was with him uh, and keep busy somewhere else I'm not quite sure why but uh, and uh, he whispered to me he said um, uh, Mum doesn't know that I'm. Mum doesn't know that I know that I'm dying. And I said, "Well, have you talked to her?" And he said, "No, because I don't want to upset her. I don't want her to know that I know because I don't want to upset her. But I'm really, really tired, and I would like to leave." Wow. Eight years old eight years old, such a wise little thing. Mm. He said, but I'm afraid because I know that when I go, she'll be really, really unhappy. But he said, I also know I've got to go and I want to go because I want to go to that place where there's heaven and where it's warm and where I'm not in pain anymore. And um, he said, Will you help my mum to understand? And I said, you know what, Mark? This is what I'll do. I'll do my very best to be there for your mum if she needs me. And you do my very best to help her to understand if I can. And uh, he passed, not the next day, but early the following morning. So he knew that he was going. And you know, when... When uh, people like myself or people who are healers or whatever, whatever whether, whether you're a nurse or a doctor, whatever it is, you think that you're the one helping them. You think you're the one giving to them. 
but actually if you're open enough and you're not so full of yourself that you think you know that uh, that this child needs you what it is is we need them we need them to teach us we need them to show us the way and uh, I'll never forget Mark I don't think you ever forget he was my first child patient anyway uh, and uh, I have to tell you, I was not looking forward to going because I'm a coward. Uh, I don't like going into hospitals and I don't like dealing with sick people. Having been very sick myself when I was younger, I try to avoid it. But, um, you know, those in the spirit world have had different plans. Too bad you don't like it. Get on with it anyway. <laughs> but they give to you, your patients give to you. And this little boy gave me something so, so special. And I think through him, I learned that we need to talk to each other. And whether it's a child or whether it's a, an old man, it doesn't matter. If someone's dying, talk about it. Have mm -hmm. a conversation. Get All of you get on the same page. Don't be afraid. I think we don't talk because we're afraid. So talk about it and communicate about it. Because at the end of the day, these are the last moments you'll ever have with that person. So say what you have to say, say what you need to say. At least on this earthly realm. Yes. 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 yes so true. So you articulate all of it so well. And, and once again, on the other side of that, when someone or an animal passes, what a gift to give a child to, to validate that, you know, that they can still connect with that person and talk to and love and ask for help and guidance. And Reese is a very, oh my gosh, sounds <laughs> special, but you two belong together for sure. It, it, well, I think, I mean, I knew, uh, you know, I was told, gosh, how many years, so many years ago, um, I was told when I was a young woman, even before I started doing this work, I was told uh, by a gypsy, an old, uh, a lady, not so old actually, a gypsy who came into, uh, I used to be a shop fitter, you know, uh, sawing wood and uh, anyway, uh, doing wait, stuff wait, like wait, that. Wait, 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 what? You used to <laughs> what? You worked in a shop where you sawed wood? Yes, I did. Shop fitting. Wow. I put in floors and I built... Uh, I built, um, you know, cubicles and I, you know, and, really? I, and I, I loved every minute of it. Yeah. When my daughter was little, uh, yeah, I used to, I used to, could, because I could get her to school, go to work and come home to pick her up from school. It was a great, great job. I had, I loved it. Um, and I was in this particular store one day and this, uh, this uh, lady came in and the two girls who were working in the store, uh, I couldn't figure it out, but they rushed over to the far end of the store, hiding behind the clothing and pretending to be busy. And I looked at them thinking, what's going on? Because it's like a woman walks into the store and you've got a customer. And hey, you've got, hey, you got a customer. And they wouldn't come out because they were used to her and they knew her. And, um, uh, you know, so I came out, I was in the window at the time for laying floorboards, to be honest. And I came out and uh, I said to her, can I help you? I'm not really the salesperson, but can I help you? And she said to me, well, dearie, um, cross my palm with silver and, uh, and I'll tell you your fortune. And uh, in those days, I, I didn't have silver, didn't even have coppers, let me tell you. So I, I looked at her and I said, I'm awfully sorry, but I don't have any money to give you, but I'm happy to make a cup of tea if you'd like one. <laughs> 
So I went into the little back room and I made a cup of tea and came out and we, she was talking to me. And she said, come on, dearie, cross my palm with silver. And I said, if you can do what you say you can do, you know, I have no money to give to you. I'm sorry. And at some point she said to me, well, come on, I'll do it anyway. So we went into one of the cubicles. This was my first experience ever. We went into one of the cubicles and I'm thinking, keep your head down. Don't, don't sh let her know what you look, you don't. Don't right. show your face. Don't let her read your face. And, you know, all these things that people do think. And, um, and the first thing she said to me, the very first thing she said to me was, wow. She said, what did you do to your side? Your side is extremely damaged and it's uh, very scarred. And my head shot up. I couldn't help it. I'd had two major surgeries. I'd had a kidney removed, the second surgery. I'd had, I had ribs missing and all of that. And, and I was fully clothed and you can't, Nobody can tell, right. you can't see any of it. But my head shot up and boy, did she, she went on to tell me so many things. Everything came true except the one thing you're going to, there's going to be a, a boy, a little boy come into your life and he's going to be so special, so special to you. And I'm thinking, oh no, I don't want any more babies. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> don't do that to me. Right, and, right. and I had to wait. Uh, it did happen to you. Yeah. I had to wait 30 years for that. And here he is. So he was always meant to be. And, uh, you know, and she, you know, he knows that story. I've told him that story. So he knows that these things happen and uh, that we all experience these, uh, these things. But yeah, that, that boy, that she was, a, turns out she was a gypsy. She, oh boy, the things that she told me that came absolutely true. Which is interesting that you're so astonished because that <laughs> you 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 do exactly the same thing for people, you know, even, even though you weren't practicing. <laughs> so um, you mentioned a few minutes ago about that you had experienced being in the waiting room. I'm sorry, that just kind of grabbed me. <laughs> we'll, we'll tell this story and then we'll start to to wrap it up. But what? Okay. Um, what was what is that experience? Well, I'll, I'll try to be quick, but I don't have, have, to, be, you don't have to be quick. Okay. I decided okay. we're going to put this into two different. It's an hour, so we'll just do two two episodes. Great. Okay, great. Well, I had a patient. Her name was Marjorie, and uh, she uh, she had cancer. She'd had it for many years, actually, and um, her husband's name was Tony. And uh, they came, I used to have a, a healing center and uh, she came one day to the healing center, uh, not knowing anything about it, very nervous, but she became a regular patient and she would come every week. And as she got worse, I would then go to her home because as healers, that's what we did. And we would go and I would go and visit her maybe as the worst she got, I would go and visit her two or three times a week. And what one day, I went to the house. She knew I was coming, but anyway, as as I was going in the door, the nurse had been just visited her, and uh, the nurse was coming out. So I started walking up the stairs, and she actually thought it was her husband. She didn't realise that I I'd come in, and it was one of the most awful experiences that I've ever had in my life. Um, she was screaming and crying and god help me and i don't want to die and 
And as I came up the stairs, I realized that she didn't really want me to hear this. And she saw my, saw my head pop up. I didn't know whether should I go back down and let her do it. And I thought, no, I'm going to go up there. And I went up the stairs and I just held her and held her. And she told me how afraid she was to die. And she asked, would I, would it be possible for me to go with her? So I said, I can't promise anything, but if it's possible, I, yes, I will. Uh, if it's possible, I'll be happy to go. And so one morning, not too long after this, um, I woke up and um, sort of felt something, I'm not quite sure what, but something's going on and Marjorie came into my head and I, it was far too early in the morning to get up. So I lay back down and the next thing I found myself literally moving through time and space. And I found myself in what could only be described as the waiting room. And uh, there were chairs, it was a very long room, and there were chairs up and down, and I was sort of sitting on a far, the far end. And people were, people at the top end were kept peering down and looking at me, and you could hear people whispering, who is it? And uh, who is that? And some of them seemed to know me, but I didn't know them. And this was all going on. And then all of a sudden, I heard the whispers start. She's here, she's here, she's here, she's coming, she's coming. And I looked to a part of the wall. Now, this is where people think I'm nuts. I know this, I know it sounds weird, but anyway, I looked to a part of where we were sitting and it was, it sort of suddenly opened up and uh, Marjorie just came almost like shooting through into this space. It's almost like she came down a chute through a hole, through a, through a passageway. Yes. Right? Um, and uh, so this woman came sort of through and everybody's standing up and people are embracing her and they're happy and they're joyful. And, uh, and I'm, at first I didn't know who it was because the Marjorie that I knew uh, was very yellowed. She was very jaundiced. She had no hair. She wore a wig. She had no teeth. The last time I saw her, she had no wig. She had no teeth. Uh, she was very shallow, very, very sorry, very sallow, very sallow skin and so on. Uh, this was not the Marjorie that I knew. This Marjorie, her hair was beautiful, radiant, her face shone, uh, health, healthy and beautiful. She looked beautiful. And it took me a few minutes to recognize, to realize that this was Marjorie. Right. And that I'd been allowed into what I term the waiting room. Yes. And I've been allowed to be there to actually go with her and, and be there and watch the joy and the joyful uh, joining together of all the families and seeing her being embraced by her parents. And it was truly, truly joyful. And um, so uh, I sort of, let's say I came out of that and um, I, I came out of it with the phone ringing. And uh, again, it was about, I don't know, maybe 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And uh, the phone was ringing and I picked it up and it was her husband. I'm just letting you know, um, you're the first one I'm going to, yeah, I'm letting you know you're the first. Marjorie just passed. Oh, wow. And I said, I know. And let me tell you what happened. And so I was able to tell him what happened and how joyful 
it all was and that she was fine and that she was you know really well Uh, but she was so afraid of dying and uh, so many people are so afraid of dying and if they could have just witnessed this one moment in time sitting in the waiting room and seeing how joyful those people are you know when when we lose someone um, we mourn we grieve Uh, but what we have to remember is on the other side of things they're having a party up there you know well Mm -hmm. we're sad and we've lost someone they're celebrating they're just having a party and saying yippee she's you know as they i remember them whispering she's here she's here she's coming she's coming quick quick she's coming she's coming and the the excitement and the joy in that waiting room was unbelievable you know i've interviewed a couple of people who um have had shared death experiences that's what i would definitely call this and it is, it, they just, they've talked about just how incredible, how, how incredibly beautiful, yeah. beautiful yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. It, it's really, honestly, it's indescribable, indescribable. I think the most profound, the thing that perhaps startles me the most every time I'm able to, to do this is the colors. It's almost as if, yes. It's almost as if all through our lives we've been wearing, it's almost as if we've had cataracts. We've not been able to see clearly. Right. And all of a sudden it's like the cataracts are removed and the, the reds are more vibrant and the greens are more lush and the, the blues are more startling. And it's, it's, it's as if we, we, we couldn't see and now we do. Yeah, yeah. And I had one, I interviewed one gentleman. Um, he's a... a a medical doctor, I'm, I'm forgetting what kind of medical doctor, but he had a profound near-death experience and he was talking about the colors and also, this always is in my mind, he said, it was like just a blink and he was there. Yeah. You know, like he, I yeah. do this in the morning sometimes, I go up to my favorite tree and just look <laughs> up in the sun and just do a blink and it, and the colors and he said it's like i'm thinking it's the best this is the best thing that could ever happen to anybody <laughs> you know i'll never forget him saying that he was actually so, there are so many people who, who actually don't want to come back they say no don't don't send me back oh, absolutely i have interviewed a lot of them and um so interesting well we probably should wrap it up rosemary <laughs> but oh, i want well, to this has been this has been lovely. Really, you're such a joy. You have great questions. You're such a joy to connect with. And uh, thank you again so very much for including me in your series because I know you do a series of these things. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, one day I shall have you as a guest on one of my shows. I hope. I hope. I hope. Absolutely, I would be honored. And. The series is actually you because oh. <laughs> I wanted to let my my um, listeners know that Rosemary will be back. You have a um, <laughs> called a webinar, but something on your Facebook called Story Time. Uh, well, that's uh, that's uh, we do that. Um, uh, it's it goes out. We stream it on uh, YouTube and Facebook, my Facebook page and Twitter. Uh, we we and also I think. Um, 
our uh, LinkedIn. We we stream we stream it, but every Saturday morning at eleven a.m. Eastern Standard Time, uh, I do a story time, and those stories are fantastic. They some of those stories are just amazing, and um, I know you have a special. You li listened in one day. I do believe you have a special story that you want me to tell at some point. Yes. So you will be back, I think, next week to tell a story. I'll, I'll let little, the listeners know the name of the story. And it is I See You. And it just... We, we See You. We see you. I'm sorry. We See You. And it we See You. you. Yes, yes, and exactly. we, we see you and we don't like you anymore. <laughs> yes, yes. So we'll have you back for that. And then again, hopefully we'll have some call-ins and you can talk to some people that are, you know, that are on the show and have questions. So if people want to find you and sign up for story time or how do they do that? Well, they just go to, uh, they can sign up for story time. They can find me. My webpage is rosemarialtea.com uh, or they can email me uh, rosemary at rosemarialtea.com uh, or they can just find my, me on my Facebook page or go to YouTube. I have a YouTube channel again rosemary altea and um they you know so they can they can if they go to my web page uh there are also all sorts of links and, and lots of different information and some little videos and yeah. uh there's a little video on there um that was from my last webinar uh very nice very very nice little video of a lady sort of getting very emotional and sobbing we like that don't we <laughs> we, we love it when people really feel uh so yeah so that you know any any of those mediums that you you can you can find me there um i'm not hard to find or of course if you're really really stuck all you have to do is say as people used to do years ago they go into a bookstore. I want, you know, I want a book. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but uh, it's by you know, that woman. And I was known as that woman throughout the world. You know, that woman, that, you know, that, the woman, that woman who talks to dead people and people, English, the people who talk to dead people, you've got me. That's me. <laughs> wow. Well, beautiful. Listen, you have a wonderful day and we will be talking very soon. All right, darling. Thank okay. you so much for today. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.